everyone. If you have your Bible with you, please take it out and go over to the last book of the Bible, to the book of Revelation. Will you please go in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. Revelation chapter 2. As Brother Jason said in his opening remarks, we've been blessed to see a new year. We've been blessed to see 2021. And I hope and pray, but nothing for nothing but good things for you and your family this new year. I pray that you prosper physically, but more importantly, I pray that you prosper spiritually. May God bless you, may God keep you in this new year. As we begin our first study together in 2021, I wanna begin by asking you to use your imagination. I want you to imagine that one day you go out to your mailbox expecting to find the, the usual bills, but instead of finding bills, you find an old school letter addressed to you. You find a personal letter, a different kind of letter, and, it, and it's not a, a letter from a family member. It's not a letter from a friend. It's not a letter from a brother or a sister in Christ. Instead, this letter you find on this day is a letter that's from Jesus. It's a letter from the Lord. It is actually a personal letter from the Lord himself. And it begins with two words. It begins with the words, I know. I know, my friends, if you received a letter from Jesus that began with the words, I know, what would the rest of that letter say? How would the rest of that letter read? What would the Lord announce that he personally knew about your life? Would he say, I know that you're currently living a double life? I know that you're a fraud. I know that you are a pretender. I know that you behave one way in this place on Sunday, but another way out there in the world. I know that you're currently harboring some secret sin. I know that you're dabbling in pornography. I know that you're drinking. I know that you're a gossip. I know how you really treat your family behind closed doors. What did it say? I know you're the real deal. I know you're genuine. I know you're authentic. I know you really love me and you're doing your best every day to, to be faithful to me. If you received a personal letter from Jesus, what would he say he knew about you? What would he say that he knew about your life? I ask you that because, interestingly enough, in the book of Revelation, we can read about a time when the Lord actually did something like that. Here in Revelation chapter 2, a chapter I hope you, you read this past Friday in your Bible reading, if you recall, here in this chapter, we can read about an occasion when Jesus made several or seven personal messages to seven local churches in Asia Minor, and all of these messages began in the very same way. All of these messages began with the words, I know. 
Jesus wanted these churches to know that he knew about them. Particularly, he wanted them to know that he knew about their works. He knew about their works. Are you in Revelation chapter 2? Will you read with me the word of God this morning? Look at verse number 1. Revelation 2 and verse 1. The Bible says this. It says to the church or the, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. That's a reference to Jesus. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. I know. I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men. And you put to test those who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you have found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. Drop down to verse number nine. Verse number nine, Jesus says to the church at Smyrna, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. That is, you are poor physically, but you're rich spiritually. And the blasphemy by those who say they're Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you're about to suffer. Jesus says, I know you're suffering. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison so that you will be tested and you will have tribulation for 10 days for a complete amount of time. Be faithful until death. Be faithful even if it means you have to die for the cause and I will give you the crown of life. Look at verse 13. Verse 13, he says to the church at Pergamon, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. They were in the hot zone of the Roman persecution at this time. And you hold fast my name and did not deny my faith even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one who was killed among you where Satan dwells. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 to the church at Thyatira, he says, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Look at chapter 3 in the middle part of verse number 1. Chapter 3, in the middle part of verse 1, he says to the church at Sardis, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Look at verse number 8 to the church at Philadelphia. I know your deeds. Look at verse number 15 to the church at Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you're lukewarm and either hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Do you see the point? You see what Jesus is trying to, to get these churches to understand? Do you see how over and over again Jesus wants these churches to know that he knew about them? He, he knew everything about them. He knew who they were. He knew where they were. He especially knew about their works. He especially knew about their deeds. He knew about the good deeds, and he also knew about the bad deeds. For example, in the case of the church at Ephesus, going back to the beginning of Revelation 2, notice how Jesus told the brethren in Ephesus that he knew that one of the good things they were doing is they were not putting up with false teachers. They were not putting up with false prophets and false apostles. In fact, instead of putting up with false prophets and false apostles, Jesus says they were actually challenging them. They were actually challenging false prophets and false apostles. He says that in Revelation 2 in verse 2, and then you put that with the example of the church at Thyatira. 
In Revelation 2 and verse 19, Jesus told the church at Thyatira that he knew they were doing a pretty good job practicing love. They were doing a pretty good job practicing love and faith and service and perseverance. In fact, beyond the church at Thyatira doing a good job persevering in the cause of the gospel, Jesus says that the church at Ephesus was doing a good job at that. And so was the church at Pergamon. And so was the church at Philadelphia. All of those churches were doing a pretty good job persevering in the cause of the gospel during a time of terrible persecution. What well, I just want you to see is for many of these churches, for many of these seven churches here, they were doing some good things. They were doing a lot of good things. They were doing a lot of wonderful and, and great works in the cause of God. And Jesus wanted them to know that he knew about that. He wanted them to know that he knew about the good works they were doing in the kingdom of God. But not only did he know about the good works they were doing in the kingdom of God, a second thing we need to highlight is he also knew about the bad works. He also knew that while churches like the one at Ephesus were doing a pretty good job challenging false teachers, many of the other ones of these churches, they were not. Other churches like the one at Pergamon and the one at Thyatira, they were not doing a good job challenging false teachers. They were not doing a good job challenging false apostles and false prophets instead of challenging. In fact, instead of challenging these kind of people, Jesus says they were actually tolerating them. They were actually in fellowship with them. They were actually accepting the, the false ideas that these people were promoting. Jesus says he knew which churches we're not standing for the truth. And he also knew which churches were not growing and increasing in their faith. For example, in the case of the church at Sardis, at the beginning of Revelation 3, notice how Jesus says he knew that while they may have had a reputation of being a spiritually alive and thriving church, the reality was they were dead. They were spiritually dead. They were spiritually asleep. They were not as, as spiritually prosperous as they thought they were. They were deceived. And then you put that with what he says to the church at Laodicea. Towards the end of Revelation 3. Remember there Jesus told them that he knew they were lukewarm, right? They were lukewarm. The idea of being lukewarm probably means that these, these brethren were spiritually indifferent. They were kind of on the fence. Like the brethren at Sardis, they too were oblivious to what their true spiritual condition was. What I just want you to see is even though Jesus is in heaven, even though he's not on the earth at this time, he's sitting at the right hand of God. He knew these churches. He could see these churches. He knew everything about them. He knew about their works. He knew about their good works. He knew about their bad works. He knew about what they were teaching, what they were doing, if they were growing. He knew if they were making spiritual progress. Jesus knew everything about these churches. 
2,000 years ago. And let me tell you something. He also knows everything about churches today. He also knows everything about this church. And everything about every church in this state and in this country and in this world, even today, even at the beginning of 2021, Jesus knows where every church stands when it comes to doctrine. He knows where every church stands on critical matters like baptism for remission of sins and Bible authority and women preachers and church discipline. And he knows that churches are standing firm on what he has taught about, about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Jesus knows where every church stands on doctrine, and he also knows what kind of works churches are engaged in. He also knows how churches are spending his money. He knows how churches are spending that money that is collected on the first day of the week. He knows if churches are using his money to do authorized things. He knows where all the money is going in the church, and, and he also knows how churches are worshiping him. He also knows that churches are, are worshiping him according to the pattern that's been laid out in the Bible. And he also knows that churches are practicing Christian qualities like love and, and service and patience and mercy. And if they're serious about the work of evangelism. Jesus knows if, if churches are content with their current number, with their current membership role, or if they, if they really want to grow. If they really want to grow the right way, if they really want to grow like the churches in the Bible grew by doing evangelism, by going out and spreading the gospel like Jesus commanded in Mark 16, 15. Jesus knows. He knows about the works of churches. But not only does he know about the work of churches. A second thing we need to highlight here is according to Revelation 2 through 3, we also see that he knows about the works of individuals. You understand the difference, right? He knows about the work of churches, but he also knows about the works, the works of individuals. And I think we got to make this a separate point because we do understand, right, that churches are made up of individuals. They're made up of people. They're made up of individual Christians, people who have been baptized for the remission of their sins. Go back to Revelation chapter 3 this time. When you go back to Revelation 3, look at what Jesus said to the church at Sardis. Let's just pick up with verse number 2. Remember in verse 1, he says that, that you have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. You're really spiritually dead, Jesus told the church at Sardis. That's a terrible thing to hear from Jesus. But in verse 2, he says, wake up. You need to wake up. And strengthen the things that remain, which are about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in my sight. Now watch verse 3. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I'm going to come. But you have a few people 
You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes with us be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. You see what Jesus is saying there? Notice how this morning we work together. We worship together, we study together, we pray together while we are all members of this congregation, the Monavista family. While that's true, according to Jesus, at the end of the day, he's still going to judge us on an individual basis. He's still going to judge us on an individual level. According to Jesus, if I am going to make it to heaven, then I got to do more than just be part of a local church. I can't count on your faithfulness to get me to heaven. I can't count on your faithfulness to God to automatically grant me favor with God. You see, the truly gain favor with God, in addition to being part of a local church, I also got to do my part in that church. I also got to do my part as an individual member of the body of Christ. I also got to make sure that I'm faithful. I got to make sure that I read and that I study and that I pray. I got to make sure that I'm committed. I got to make sure that I'm plugged in to what is going on around here in this church. I got to make sure that I, as an individual Christian, do my best to demonstrate love for a Savior who gave himself for me at Calvary. trying to ride on the spiritual coattails of faithful disciples in a local church, that's not going to lead me to heaven. That's not going to lead me to, to gain any eternal life. That's what the Lord is saying there. That's what the Lord is emphasizing to the church at Sardis. In fact, going back to what Jesus said to the church at Sardis, notice how he tells these people that while the majority of them, while the majority of members in this church were spiritually dead, while the majority were spiritually asleep, there were a few who were not. That were, there were a few who were not spiritually dead and asleep. Instead, Jesus says they were alive. They were awake. They were walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. They had not they had not stained their spiritual garments. You see that? You see, from these verses, we learn something that maybe we don't talk about enough. From this, we see that not only does Jesus know what individual local churches are doing. He knows what individual disciples who make up local churches are doing. He knows what you are doing as an individual Christian, and he knows what I am doing as an individual Christian. The question is, when Jesus looks at Sean Jeffries as an individual Christian, what does he see? What does Jesus see when he looks at me? I mean, when the Lord looks at me from heaven, does he see somebody who is striving to, to give him my best every single day? Does he see someone who's striving to grow and be better for him every single day? Does he see someone who's striving to grow in his knowledge of, of his word? Or does he see someone who's content with what he already knows? 
Does he see someone who's striving to grow in his faith? Or does he see a Christian who's become stagnant? Does he see someone who's striving to grow in godly qualities like patience and love and humility and mercy? Does he see someone who is striving to grow and nurture whatever talents and abilities he's given me to serve in the kingdom? Or when Jesus looks at me, does he see somebody who's just lazy? Does he see somebody who's apathetic? Does he see someone who only fills a pew on Sunday? Does he see somebody who's selfish? Does he see somebody who's pessimistic and negative and always looking to tear down and discourage other people? Is that what Jesus sees when he looks at me? What does the Lord see when he looks at us? Not just as a church. But as individual disciples, I think that's an important thing for us to think about. Because, again, while it is extremely important to be part of a local church, while it is certainly God's plan for every Christian to place membership with a faithful local church, we also need to understand that at the end of the day, God's going to judge us on an individual basis. We're all going to give an account of ourselves to God. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus is really emphasizing here in Revelation 3 when he speaks to the church at Sardis. Jesus wants these churches to know that he knows about their works. And he knows about what individuals are doing in those churches. But then a third and final thing I want to highlight here is in Revelation 2 and verse 3, Jesus also wants them to know that he knows hearts. Yeah, he, he knows hearts. I mean, beyond just knowing what we're doing in the flesh, what we, what's going on on the outside. Jesus also knows what's going on in here. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows our motives, our intentions, our attitudes. He knows that. Go back to Revelation one more time, please. Revelation 2. Revelation chapter 2, go back to what he said to the church at Ephesus in verse number 4. In verse number 4, after Jesus commends them for persevering in the cause of the gospel, in verse number 3, in verse 4, he says, I have this against you. That's the one thing you don't want to hear from Jesus. I got some against you. I got some against you that you have what? You've left your first love. Highlight that language, okay? I want you to stay in chapter 2, go back to verse 19. Look carefully at these things. Chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus said to the church at Thyatira, I know your deeds and your love and your faith and your service and perseverance and that your deeds of late are greater than at first. Go back to chapter 3 now. Chapter 3, verse 1, just want you to really look at what the Lord is saying, okay? Middle part of verse number 1 of chapter 3. Middle part of verse number 1, I know your deeds that you have a name that you are alive, but you're dead. You're spiritually dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which are about to die, for I have found your deeds not to be completed in my sight. One more place. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 of chapter 3, the church of Laodicea. I know your deeds, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot, so because you are lukewarm, you're lukewarm spiritually, and either hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Do you see the common thread 
the common thread that is weaving its way throughout all those verses. Do you see it? Do you see how in each one of those personal messages to those churches, Jesus wants them to know that because he is God, because he is deity, because he is the creator, he knows what's going on in their hearts. He knows their outward works and he also knows their inward works. He knows what was going on in the hearts. Jesus and all those verses I read, he's addressing matters of the heart. For example, in the case of the church at Ephesus, Jesus said that they had left what? They left their first love. When Jesus says they had left their first love, what he means is those Christians in Ephesus were no longer on fire for him. They no longer had zeal. They no longer had passion. They no longer were putting their hearts and their service to him. Jesus is saying, I know your heart. I know you're not on fire for me anymore. You go to the case of the church at Thyatira, and Jesus says he knew about their love, and he knew about their faith and their patience. All those things have to do with matters of the heart. You go to the church at Sardis, and remember Jesus said that while on the outside it appeared that they were spiritually alive and they were spiritually thriving, on the inside they were dead. They were spiritually asleep. Jesus could only know that if he was able to read their hearts. And then in the case of the church at Laodicea, he said they were lukewarm. They were lukewarm. They were indifferent. They were arrogant like the church at Ephesus. They too, they were no longer on fire for Jesus. That's an issue of the heart. Jesus knew the hearts of these people. He knew the hearts of the people who made up these churches. And let me just tell you something, just like he knew the hearts of these people, you better believe he knows the hearts of his people today. He knows our hearts. Even today, even in 2021, Jesus knows if we have left our first love. He knows if we have zeal, if we have passion. He knows if we are on fire for his work today, just like we were on fire for it when we first obeyed the gospel and got baptized. He knows that. He knows if we're spiritually deceiving ourselves. He knows if we're really spiritually alive or if we are spiritually dead. He knows if we're spiritually asleep or awake. He knows if we're hot, cold, or lukewarm. He knows if we really love him. He knows if we really trust him. He knows if we really have faith in him. He even knows how we feel about other people. Did you know that? He knows if we're bitter towards someone right now. He knows if we hate somebody. He knows if we have a vengeful, a vengeful spirit towards a brother or a sister. He knows if we've truly forgiven a brother or sister who has done us wrong and tried to reconcile with us. Jesus knows everything. He knows everything about us. He knows everything about us as a church and as individuals. And the question is, what are we going to do with that information? 
What are we, what are we going to do with that truth? That the Bible announces about Jesus. I mean, will we allow the all-seeing eyes of Jesus to comfort us when we start facing rough moments? I hope we do. Will we allow his all-seeing eyes to to encourage us while we do his work? Will we allow it to help us understand that even though our work in the kingdom may not be getting praised and noticed by men, it is getting noticed by him? And that's all really, really that should matter, right? If we're currently harboring sin, will we allow Jesus' knowledge of us to motivate us to repent? I ask you that because it's interesting to me how even though Jesus firmly rebukes five of these seven churches in these two chapters, he still leaves them some hope. He still gives them some hope. As you continue to read Revelation 2 through 3 over the next couple of days, I want you to notice how when it came to those disciples in these churches who were living in sin, Jesus told them that he would give them a second chance if they repented. Throughout Revelation 2 and verse 3, Jesus tells these churches to remember where you have fallen and repent. Repentance was the biblical solution to the problems that these churches were facing. And repentance is also the solution to whatever spiritual problems we may have today. And so that, that's how I want to close this lesson. I want to close this lesson by saying that Jesus does know everything. And if you're sitting in the pew this morning, and you realize that you are far away from him and you're not on fire from him for him. And maybe you realize that you're currently living in sin. I want you to listen to what Jesus says throughout Revelation two through three. Do what he says this morning. Remember from where you have fallen and repent. Repent. Jesus will give you a second chance. He will give you another chance if you're willing to do what he says and turn away from the sin and repent. And so if we can help anyone with that this morning, it'd be our pleasure to do that. If we can pray with you, pray for you, whatever spiritual needs you may have, let us help you with that right here and right now. Let's stand. Let's sing.